celebrating Pentecost, the, the PT wrapped up the, the gifts, uh, the promises of God with the, the gift of the Holy Spirit, and, and I get the privilege of, of having the first speech afterwards, and so I guess following that tradition that I should start out by saying that if you've seen somebody uh, speaking a language you didn't understand or acting a way you didn't understand or maybe their eyes welled up with tears that they weren't drunk as you might suppose that they were being filled that they were being refilled that they were being topped off and overflowing with the spirit of the living God if you guys didn't get that little joke y'all should read your Bible <laughs> in talking about freedom today we're going to talk about a, a message I feel the Lord gave me called slaves and this message actually came from a, a conversation in a, in a car ride with PT. We went and picked up Brittany Suburban from Roaring Springs, and we were coming back, and we, and we, were, we were talking about how people just get locked in to that old lifestyle, how they get locked into that, that lifestyle of slavery, but that the Word says that we don't have to be slaves to sin. But in that freedom... We are still slaves. And that may not make sense yet, but hopefully it does here in a minute. Let's look at Romans chapter 6, verses 16 through 23. It says, Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin became obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were commanded. And having been set free from sin, have become what? Slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms. This is Paul speaking to the Romans here. He said, I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit you were getting at the time from these things of, of which you are now ashamed... For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we see Paul using this illustration of how we were once slaves to sin and how we were once in bondage to that sin and we were free from righteousness. While we were slaves to sin, we were free to righteousness, but now we've received the free gift and we are slaves to God, which means we are, are free from sin. Now notice that he's using the singular of the word sin. He's not saying that we are free from sins. We're not free from making 
mistakes. We're not free from having little slip-ups. We know that God's work is not complete until the day that Lord Jesus comes. But we are free from the power of sin to control us. So let's break this down a little bit. What is a slave? What is a slave? What comes to your mind when you hear the word slave? The dictionary defines a slave as a person who is legal property of another and is forced to obey them. When Paul wrote this, he used the the Greek word dolos. Hopefully that's how you pronounce it. I heard a, a pastor one time, he was preaching out of the book of Judges, and he was going through all those Old Testament names and kind of making his way through it. And this was a pastor of a big old church up in Tulsa, and a very large congregation, been preaching a long time, and he kind of made his way through all those names, and he said, I just want to tell you that for all y'all in the crowd who are going, I wonder how he pronounces all those words, I make them up. (laughs) The Greek word is dolos, and it means slave. It means to be devoted to another to the disregard of one's own interest or well-being. We're in that slavery to sin. We're not concerned about our own well-being. We're not thinking about our own well-being. We may be pleasing the flesh. We may be getting that temporary pleasure that temporary satisfaction, but if you were really concerned about your own well-being, you'd be focused on the eternal. If you were concerned about your own well-being, you'd be focused on things greater than you. You'd be worried about where you're going to spend eternity, not where you're going to spend Friday night. In 2 Peter 2.19, Peter says, They promised them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. The second part of that verse is what we want to focus on. For whatever overcomes a person, to that he is a slave. Whatever overcomes a person, whatever takes you over, to that you are a slave. So we see first in Paul's writing that we are slaves to sin. In John 8 and 34, Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, Everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. A key word is practices. See, that's the difference. Before coming to, to the Lord, before receiving that free gift of eternal life and that righteousness, becoming a slave to God, we are practicing sin. We are actively trying to get better at sin. But after coming to the Lord, we are practicing righteousness because we're not perfect at it. We haven't gotten it right. We're practicing righteousness, and to that we are enslaved. So we looked at what a slave is, but what is sin? What is it? If we want to understand how to get through this, we got to understand what sin is. Augustine says that sin is a word, a deed, or a desire in opposition to the eternal law of God. 
a word can be a sin. Did, did you snap at that person in front of you in the grocery store because they were taking too long? That could be, that, that's a sin, that word. Because God says to love others, that wasn't love when you were snapping. A deed, we, we get that part right. We, we've, we've got sins being deeds. We've got that lined out. We can think of all these deeds, one after another, that we all commit that are sin. But what about that last part? A desire. A desire in opposition to the eternal law of God. Have you ever just wished something would happen to somebody? It's okay. It's okay. I have. I've, I've, I've wished that, ooh, sometimes, hey, in Odessa traffic, we, we wish some things would happen sometimes. We have that desire, and it may be in opposition to the eternal law of God. So we were slaves to sin. We were living a life of sin. So what does that mean, a life of sin? That In Romans 1, verses 29 through 32, Paul says that they were filled with all manner, all manner of unrighteousness. Evil, covetedness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. What does that say at the end? They are gossips. They are gossips. In the same category with murders. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil. Because there, there wasn't enough evil. That we were inventors of evil. Finding out new ways to become evil. Disobedient to parents. Where's my youth students at? Disobedient to parents. You see God, Michael? <laughs> Foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Verse 32. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but they give approval, approval to those who practice them. They give approval to those who practice them. When we're locked in that life of sin, and we have family, friends who are living for God, people who care about us, who are trying to speak the truth into our lives, and say, hey, maybe you shouldn't be doing that. Hey, maybe you should come to church this Sunday. Are those the ones that we're choosing to hang out with? Or are we hanging out with the ones who are practicing evil, who are coming up with these new ways, who are liars, cheaters, who are malicious, Disobedient, foolish, and faithless. Instead of hanging out with friends who are trying to pour into us and give us a hand up, we're, we're spending time with those who are still pulling us down. There's that old saying that misery loves company. These people, when we're in that life of sin, that's the company we're wanting to keep is those who will approve of what we are doing. 
We allow the things that we desire to become the master of our lives. Augustine said that the desires that are in opposition to God's law, that's one of the definitions of a sin. We allow these things that we desire to become the master of our lives. We allow sin to take over our lives. Many of you have heard my testimony, and you know that I struggled with addiction for 20 years, but I can tell you when I was 14 and at a party and somebody handed me something and I took a little puff of it I did not say oh I can't wait to be strung out and homeless on the street that I just wanted to be cool I wanted to be approved of by those who were around me but that led to those desires becoming the master of my life that led to those desires taking me over. Things I thought I was in control of were in control of me. Our sin, our life-controlling issue. If you guys know about living free, you know that's the term that we use. We talk about life-controlling issues. Because it's not just about drugs. It's not just about alcohol. Those are the big ones that everybody thinks of. And those are super important to find freedom from. But you can be free from anger. You can be free from anxiety. You can be free from depression. You can be free from working too much. You can be free from spending too much time on Facebook. You could be free from that toxic relationship with your friends, your family, that boy that you shouldn't be dating. You can be free from that and no longer let that issue have control of your life. We let these issues become the sole focus of our lives. We work or even beg, borrow, and steal to pay for it. Our minds are constantly preoccupied by it. Our time is spent either chasing these things or indulging in them. We deceive ourselves. Remember PT told us a, a few weeks back that the problem with deceit is that it's deceiving. We deceive ourselves into believing we are in control. However, our desires, our sin, become our master and we become their slave. So we're a slave. We're, in this state that we're in right now, we're a, we're a slave to sin. We're under the bondage of sin. Well, how does one acquire a slave? If you were going to acquire a slave, what, what do you do? You buy it. And we were bought at a price. Everybody here has heard the, the expression redeem or or has been redeemed hopefully you've been redeemed you believe that you've been redeemed but what does that mean when you say that the word redeem means to gain or to regain because we were once gods we were once gods when we were created in the beginning we were created for god but adam brought sin into the world and separated us from god so God didn't have to gain us, he had to regain us. We had to be redeemed. And you were bought at a price. In 1 Corinthians 6, verses 19 and 20, Paul says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, verse 20, for you were bought with a price. 
So glorify God in your body. You were bought at a price. What is that price? What is the price of a slave? See, when I said what is that price, you probably instantly thought the life of Jesus, and I'm not going to tell you that you're wrong because you're right. But let's look at what that price really was. What is the price of a slave? If we look at the books, the book of Exodus, verses 21, or excuse me, chapter 21, verse 32, they're talking about all the, the laws and if everything happens and if this happens, you got to do this. And it says that if the ox gores a slave, if an ox kills a slave, male or female, it doesn't matter, the owner of that ox shall give to the master of that slave 30 shekels of silver. That's the value of a slave. The master has to be paid 30 shekels, the value of that slave. Let's fast forward a few thousand years, and let's look in, in Matthew 26 and verse 15. Judas, everybody knows who Judas is. Judas the betrayer said, what will you give me if I deliver him, Jesus, over to you? And they paid him 30 pieces of silver your savior his life was sold at the price of a slave he was sold to man the son of god came down fully man and was sold to man for the price of a slave so he could pay a price that you cannot so he could come down and live a life free of sin And become a sacrifice that we could not. Could make a sacrifice that no matter how hard we try, no matter how hard we pray, no matter how much we serve, no matter how much we tithe, no matter what we do, we could never pay that price. We could never outdo the sin that we have done. We were talking during worship about being worthy, about having worth. Who here believes that if you, if you perform a job, you, you don't necessarily have to raise your hand, I don't want to put you on the spot, but if you, do you believe that if you perform a job that you should receive some compensation? That you should, thank you Jason. Jason, Jason thinks he should get paid. We are worth our wages. We are worth our wages. In 1 Timothy, Paul says, You shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. The laborer deserves his wages. So we were slaves to sin. We were doing the work of sin. Our labor was sin. And in Romans 6.23 Paul tells us that the wages of sin is death. But we no longer have to be paid that wage because the free gift is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We, we have been bought and can now be slaves to God, be slaves to righteousness, and receive the wage of righteousness, which is eternal life in Christ Jesus. So now that you were, we were, first we were a slave to sin, then we were bought at a price. 
Now we have a new master. Now we have a new master. Glad a couple of y'all are following along this morning. In Titus 3 and 3, it says, For we ourselves were once foolish. We ourselves were once, past tense, foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days away in malice and envy, hated by others, and hating one another. When I got to the lowest point of of my bondage to sin, when I hit that metaphorical rock bottom, I hated myself. And I hated everyone around me. I hated who I had become. I hated what we were doing. But I didn't know how to get out. And praise God, I didn't have to figure it out. That that price was paid. Romans 6.22 says, But now you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God. The fruit you get leads to sanctification and in its end, eternal life. No longer are we stuck under the bondage to sin. No longer are we stuck knowing that we will receive death. Eternal death. That doesn't mean that if you are still a slave to sin, that when your physical life ends, it's just, whoop, TV show's over. No, there is a consequence, church. There is an alternative to eternal life with God. Jesus describes it as weeping and gnashing of teeth. Does not sound like fun to me, but now we receive the fruit that leads to sanctification and in its end, eternal life. Just as before with sin, now righteousness must be the focus of our lives. Our time, treasures, and talents should be spent on it. Just as we dedicated our minds to whatever sinful desires, whatever sin had control on us, now we must dedicate our lives to righteousness. Time and prayer and devotion should be spent on it. Fellowship with the Holy Spirit should be a priority of your day. Our thoughts should now be preoccupied with the eternal. When I was looking and researching and, and, and putting this message together, we're talking about slaves. I couldn't help but during that time... Think about the condition of our country prior to the end of the Civil War. It's oftentimes what comes to mind when one thinks of a slave. as somebody in that bondage under a master. Out there farming or, or serving in the house, whatever it may have been. And at the end of the Civil War... 
we know that slavery was abolished. We, we made it illegal to own another person here in America. Praise God. But did you know that many of those slaves had no idea what to do with their freedom? And so what choice did they make? Even though that they were free, even though that the law had set them free from slavery, they stayed. They stayed under that old master. They stayed in that same old lifestyle that they had had before. They were free, but they chose to stay a slave. They chose to stay under that bondage rather than to accept the, the gift of freedom. When I found freedom in the Lord, I graduated Teen Challenge, and, and they said, go out into the great big world. You, you got this. I didn't know what to do. I had never had godly friends. I had never had a pocket full of money on Friday and not spent it at a bar or a dope house. I had never had bills in my name. I had surely never paid them. I had never, never tithed. I had never done any of these things. I had no clue what to do. But through the strength given to me by the Lord, I was able to step out in little small steps and begin to exercise that freedom to not overlook that free gift that he had given to me. To not overlook the fact that I was no longer in bondage to sin, that I no longer had to receive death, but I had been given the gift of eternal life, and I was going to take advantage of it. I was not going to be that old person anymore, and you don't have to be either. But the problem is that sometimes we believe a lie, and we don't challenge a lie with the truth. I love to, to listen to uh, Craig Rochelle's leadership podcast, and he has a, a new book coming out. If you're in uh, Living Free, you've heard this story, but that's all right, I'm going to tell it again. Uh, he has a, a new book that came out, and, and in that book he was talking about when he was younger in ministry, and they were just kind of firing off Life Church and, and that organization, that him and some of the pastors and staff members, they like to have prank wars. They would prank each other. Uh, word of advice, from what I've heard, don't get into a prank war with our pastor. He is the winner. <laughs> he is the winner. Uh, but they would get into these prank wars, and it got so out of hand that they had to set some boundaries. They had to set some rules, and one of those rules was no pranking before 8 o'clock in the morning. I don't know about y'all, I'm not trying to prank nobody at 8 o'clock in the morning. But these guys were about it. And so they set this rule, no pranking before 8 o'clock in the morning, and, and so one morning... Uh, 
Craig came in and, and he tells about how he was, you know, uh, came into the office early and he was turning the lights on and, and spending some time uh, with the Lord as he got ready for the day. He had an appointment first thing that morning when, when business hours fired up and he was walking down the hallway and when he walked by this closet, something didn't feel right. And he opened it and there was one of his associate pastors hiding in the closet waiting for 8 o'clock. Waiting to come out and, and start the prank war. Right, I'm, I'm going to get him first thing in the morning. And after seeing him and realizing what was going on, Pastor Craig said that he, he shut the, the door and, and he quickly grabbed the chair and he, he wedged it underneath the, the door handle, or he tried to. The whole time the, the associates inside beating on the door, no, let me out, let me out, let me out. And he's like, ah, and he's messing with it. What the guy on the other side doesn't know is he can't quite get this, this chair to wedge right. It, it's not staying in place like it should. It's not going to work. And so he sets the chair to the side, and he tells him, okay, you're locked in there. See you at 5 o'clock. And he goes away, and the guy's all in there, all hollering and stuff. And uh, some more time goes by, and... and Craig has his first appointment for the day. He's doing marriage counseling right off the bat, first thing in the morning. Start his day with a little couples therapy. And they're in the middle of their session, and all of a sudden he hears this noise in the ceiling. And he looks up, and there is a tile lifting up, and looking through the hole in that tile is the associate pastor. Climbing through the ceiling, trying to escape. Craig told him, hey, 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 if you will go back in, back into the closet, when I'm done with this session, I'll come let you out. And he went and he scrambled away, but if you'll remember, the door, the chair was never in front of the door. He believed a lie. He believed what somebody told him, that he was trapped inside of a place he did not want to be and he never challenged that lie he never took the time to come against that lie with the truth and that happens to us when we try to step out in the freedom made possible by Jesus' sacrifice we believe that we're still that old person that I'm still a loser, that nobody will ever trust me, that I'm never going to amount to anything, that I'm stuck being an addict, that I'm stuck in that lifestyle, that I'm never going to be a good father, that I'm never going to find someone who loves me, or whatever lie that you may be believing about yourself. But the Word of God says that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. The Word of God says that I was knitted together in my mother's womb. The Word of God says that His thoughts out for me each day outnumber the stars in the sky. It says that He has a plan for me. A plan to prosper me and not to harm me, to give me hope and to give me a future. And those promises don't just apply to me. 
Therefore, each and every one of you and every one of you watching online. Therefore, everyone who receives that free gift of righteousness, that free gift of salvation, that free gift of eternal life. Now, here's the tricky part. Did any of y'all remember the show that used to come on TV in the 90s? Uh, Highlander? Y'all remember the Highlander shows where they would try to be, there could be only one. There could be only one. I wish it would have been cool for me to play that theme song from the, from the show. I used to jam it when I was a kid, but uh, Facebook would probably take us down. There could be only one. We can only serve one master. In Luke 16, verses 11 through 13, Jesus says, If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. The Word of God right there says money. We can interchange that. Not changing the Word of God, but for the purposes of illustration, we can interchange that with drugs. You cannot serve God and drugs. You cannot serve God and alcohol. You cannot serve God in porn. You cannot serve God in sex. You cannot serve God in anything that separates you from God. God comes first. It says in Exodus that you shall have no other God for his name is jealous and he is jealous for you he did not send his son to die on a cross for part of you he did not send his only child to be brutalized and murdered to set you free from sin while you relish in the world you cannot serve God and. You cannot serve God and your spouse. What? You can't. You have to serve God. And everything else will come. You cannot serve God and your children. You have to serve God first. And everything else will come. You cannot serve God and your job. See, at first we were talking about you cannot serve God and all these things that we know are sins and we know are bad. But sometimes we allow that deceit 
Remember, we deceive ourselves into thinking that we're in control. So if I devote my life to my spouse, that makes me a good husband. If I devote my life to my child, to my children, that makes me a good father. That's what the world would have you to believe. The truth is, church, that if you devote yourself to God, you cannot help but be a good husband. If you devote, or wife, husband or wife, if you devote yourself to God, you cannot help but be a good father, but be a good mother. If you devote yourself to God, you cannot help but be a good friend. If you devote yourself to God, you cannot help but be a good person. But you must devote yourself to God. We were born into the bondage of sin. We had no choice. Adam stood there in the garden and he watched Eve eat that apple. And then he took it by himself. And it's been all downhill from there. Until Christ came. Until Jesus came. God is not surprised by our sin. He's not surprised by the things that he's done. You're not going to do anything or tell him anything that he's never heard of or didn't see you do in the first place. But just like Adam and Eve in the garden, we can get trapped in that shame. It says in Genesis 3 that God came to walk in the cool of the day with Adam and Eve and that they were not there. And he said, where are you? Do you think that God didn't know? He knew exactly where they were. But he wanted them to come out. He calls out to us when we are hiding in our shame. He calls out to us when we are hiding in our depression. He calls out to us when anxiety won't let us come out of the house. He cries out to us when we are at our lowest. Our Lord, our Savior, cares about each and every one of us. He knows right where you are. He wants you to acknowledge, where are you? The good news is that the price has been paid. A price that we could never pay ourselves has been paid for our lives. The freedom found in servitude to God is a free gift, but the choice to receive it is yours. Just like that associate pastor had a choice to reach out and to grab that door and try to open it, just like those slaves after the Civil War had a choice to step out from under that old master, no one is going to force righteousness on you no one is going to force you to please take and please go home with eternal life 
free. Take one. Would you like a sample? Would you like to take this gift home with you today? So I ask you, church, will you continue to be mastered by sin and receive the wage of death and eternal separation from God? Or will you choose to be mastered by righteousness? And receive the free gift of eternal life. I have